Today on the podcast, we're talking to Maggie Siff, one of the co-stars of Billions on Showtime. Updates on arts and entertainment. This is WSJ Speakeasy. Hey, I'm Christopher John Farley, a senior editor at the Wall Street Journal. I'm talking to Maggie Siff, who's one of the co-stars of the new TV show Billions on Showtime. Maggie, thanks for talking to the Wall Street Journal. It's my pleasure. Okay, on Billions, you play a psychotherapist slash performance coach who works for a large hedge fund. Is that a real job? <laughs> That's a good question. She, well, just she's actually a psychiatrist, so she's had medical school training. Um, just to clarify a little bit, it, it is a real job. There are people who um, inhabited this, this role. I think she's somewhat of an amalgam of ideas of uh, sort of life coach, performance coach, psychiatrist, psychotherapist. So I don't know that she actually closely, closely resembles um, anybody who's actually out there, but she definitely has some things in common. There are people who do assume this position. There's a man named Ari Kiev who very famously worked at Steve Cohen's company for many, many years as the in-house sort of therapist, coach, um, and he's actually written a number of books. And did you talk to any people who inhabited roles like yours in real life to sort of get a sense of your character and what she does? I did. I spoke to two people who um, work in a more freelance way with um, people in the financial world, in particular with traders, Um, you know, people who are performing at a very high level, moving large sums of money around every day. Um, And I also spoke with uh, Tony Robbins, who's... um, pretty close with one of our showrunners, who pretty famously consults with some pretty high-powered people in the world, including Paul Tudor Jones. Um, And uh, and he also, I think, is an inspiration for the character, who, or I should say the part of her that is um, perhaps more on the life coach end of things, um, who is looking for a kind of fast turnaround, psychological change, um, maybe some, maybe the part of her that is a little bit more like a, a guru or the part of her that they call Dr. Mojo. You know, she has that sort of something about her that works magic very quickly. Now, in the show, you're sort of caught up in this sort of power triangle between um, Paul Giamatti, who plays your husband, who's a U.S. attorney, who's going after some of these hedge fund guys who are playing fast and loose with the rules, and a guy played by Damian Lewis, Bobby Axelrod, who actually owns a hedge fund that you work for. Uh, mm-hmm. how, how did you come to get this part? How, was there an audition process? I mean, did they come to you? Or what was the process by which you ended up being in Billions? Yeah, it was an audition process. Um, I read the script and was, was really excited by the role. Um, they were casting out of New York. I was in Los Angeles. Um, uh, a relatively new mom, so I wasn't traveling anywhere. So I put myself on tape for it in my living room and um, sent the tape out into the ether <laughs> and crossed my fingers. Um, and then it sort of went from there, and then I flew to New York and met the producers and, um, you know, had a, they call it a test, where you're sort of basically 
it's a more formal audition. I read with Paul. They sort of taped it in a nice way, and they dressed me and everything else. And it's, kind of, it's sort of like an audition. It's, it's a screen test of sorts, I guess. Because yeah, um, you kind of have to have chemistry with two guys at once to really make this work. I mean, what was that like? You know, what do you do as an actress when you're trying to show you have sparks, you have chemistry with an actor? I don't think you can fake it, and I don't think you can try. You sort of do or you don't. I mean, they made sure that Paul and I were compatible, um, and uh, I think we immediately were. I mean, I, when I walked into the room and met him, um, I felt an immediate sort of affection and affinity, and we had a really good time working together. And even then, you don't know that that's going to translate um, to the screen or to the camera. But um, but I, I felt pretty I felt pretty confident about that. And then um, you know, in terms of hoping that I had chemistry with Damien, um, I think they probably just crossed their fingers and hoped we would. <laughs> because uh, he was in London at the time. Now, of course, your relationship with the Paul Giamatti character um, in this show has to almost go beyond intimacy, because you have sort of an S&M relationship with your husband. Uh, when you mm-hmm. read that in the script, when you saw you'd have to play that role, what did you think? And, and also, I wonder, how does a, an actor or actress kind of protect themselves about of, of, from things going too far? I mean, is there a safe word you have with Showtime that you can say, hey, that's, that's too much for me? Which I love. I love the idea of having a safe word with Showtime. Um, we should. Yeah, I mean, when I when I read it, I was definitely intrigued. I thought that it was quite interesting to think about this being a, an aspect of their marriage, something that was sort of within the contract, um, something that was within the relationship. You think it's one thing. You think it's Elliot Spitzer or you know, fill-in-the-blank politician who's outside of his marriage doing something salacious and naughty. And then you find out that it's actually his wife and that this is somehow part of their marriage where they have, like, two children and a nice house and eat meals together. And, you know, and I I found that interesting. Uh, As an actress, yes, I was concerned and a little bit nervous because um, I didn't exactly know what was going to be required of me as the series went on. Um, in terms of how the content of that would reveal itself, what the expectations would be for things like community and how graphic things would be. And um, so I just had conversations with people before I accepted the job and made sure that I would be comfortable. And I think everybody understood who they were hiring and what my limits were. So you sort of have to lay that out before you say yes to a job. Now, of course, this show does explore some of the lifestyles and business styles of the rich. And this is a quote from F. Scott Fitzgerald that I kept thinking about as I watched the show. Let me tell you about the very rich. They are different from you and me. As you spent Mm -hmm. this time exploring this world, and do you come to think that the rich are, in fact, different? That's a good question. Um, Yes, I guess I do. Um, I think the amount of power and privilege and the ease with which doors open um, and the way that I think we see in the Axelrod character, the sort of sense of entitlement that the sort of waters part as 
uh, one moves forward. I think that's I think that's uh, not something that most people in this world experience unless they have, you know, huge sums of money or a whole lot of political power. Um, and uh, I don't think people can even really imagine it. I, I think it's something that makes, you know, I think it's one of the things that makes a show like this um, intriguing or entertaining because, you know, you, you get a little sort of little window into it and hopefully our writers are really trying to understand the psychological profile of somebody who inhabits that every day. Do you think this is a distinction between the, the world of the rich and famous in Hollywood versus the rich and famous at the rich who just have billions of dollars? I mean, is that world even more seductive than the world that you live in as an actress? I'm not sure. I think it is different. Um, you know, I'm not even sure that I can speak to how. I mean, uh, one thing about actors and actresses, and I'm really speaking from my own experience here. I'm not, you know, I'm not Jennifer Lawrence or Meryl Streep or, you know, uh, one of those super celebrities or whatever, but, um, uh, you know, I think many of many actors and actresses that I know feel like whatever they have at the moment could be temporary. You know, we, we live from job to job. There are highs and lows of careers. Um, I don't think many people have so much resource. There are just so few people in the world who have so much resource that they know they will never not have an extraordinary amount of resource. That's that's the you know incredibly rare thing, um, if that makes any sense. It, it does. I'm thinking when you talk about, you know, as an actress, how a light, you know, your career can be a little tenuous depending on whether you get the next job or not, whether people get, meet with a claim or not. And I'm wondering, because you know, you've been in other shows, Mad Men, of course, you were in that, and your character died. And Sons of Anarchy, of course, your, your, your character died. I mean, do you, do you sort of fear that the, the acts could be coming to you in any show that you get, that you know, maybe this character could be next? I told them that I would really suffer from PTSD if they did that to me on this show, that I really, really needed to know they weren't going to kill me off. Um, no, I think, I'm, I, think, I think I'm pretty safe on this show. There, so far, there are, are, are not very many guns uh, being wielded here. Um, <laughs> I guess you never know. You never can tell. But uh, I, I hope not. I, I certainly uh, endured a lot of uh, my characters dying off. But, you know, it was a kind of rebirth, which I appreciate. Did you ask him about that beforehand? Like, hey, is this character going to die in season two? Or can I have a no-death clause? Is that something that came up? I've joked with them about it. I've joked with them about it. Uh, but I haven't actually gotten them to, like, sign anything for me, guaranteeing my continued survival. I also wonder, as an actress or actor, what it's like when you're on a show that perhaps has um, some secrecy attached to it where they don't tell you exactly what's going to happen to the character because they don't want it to get out. Certainly you face that in Mad Men. Certainly you face that in Sons of Anarchy. Is it difficult to build a character when you don't know what twists or turns may be coming around the character, or coming around the corner, that could sort of place everything in a whole new light? It's funny. I was just thinking about that the other day. Um, yeah, I mean, it's true that when you do a play or a film, you know, you get to 
make the arc of your character and, and you try to be as you try to think as deeply about it as you can before you go into it. You try to really carve out choices. Um, and when you're going into a television series, all you can really do is work with the pilot script and try to make character choices um, as strongly as you can. And then as you move along, because it's a long form, you do get like, you know, you'll read a scene or an episode and you're like, oh my God, I do that? Would I do that? I don't think I would do that. You know, and you go to the writers and you say, would I do that? And they tell you why they think you would do that. You know, and you have this sort of creative conversation, hopefully, you know, hopefully everybody's amenable. Um, and, you know, sometimes you are convinced and you say, okay, my character does this. And then you evolve the character in that direction. And, Sometimes that's incredibly gratifying. You're like, I didn't see that coming. I didn't expect that. But that's a really interesting current, you know, for this character to move with. Um, and then sometimes you balk at it and you're like, I don't think that makes sense. And you struggle with it and it's not satisfying. But um, luckily our writers on this show, are they're, they're very, very open to that kind of collaboration with their actors. And I think they really trust us. So it's... It's been a really rewarding collaboration that way so far. Okay, we're going to pause for a second. We'll be right back with Maggie Siff of Billions. WSJ Special Access gives you a front row seat to some of the Wall Street Journal's most exciting content, like The Quirkier Side of Life, a new series that features the fun, surprising stories our reporters come across. The chief executive walks 10,000 barefoot steps every day. He recalls stepping on a bee, which put him off earthing for a couple of days, but he got back to it. Check out The Quirkier Side of Life on WSJ Special Access, only for WSJ subscribers. Hi, I'm Paul Vigna. If you do not subscribe to the Money Bee podcast, you are going to feel worse than a short seller on the day of a big rally. Go to iTunes and WSJ.com slash podcasts. You want to sign up for this one. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, speak easy. Hey, I'm Christopher John Farley, a senior editor at the Wall Street Journal. I'm talking to Maggie Siff, who's one of the co-stars of the Showtime series Billions. And, of course, Maggie, you've been in a lot of other top TV shows like Mad Men, like Sons of Anarchy. And I wonder, do you think that TV is now better than the movies? Are people going to get a richer, deeper, more interesting entertainment um, uh, experience by watching some of these shows like Billions than they will get from going into your local multiplex and seeing just a two-hour movie? You know, it's just a it's a form that's having a very rich moment. Um, you know, because we do these, well, what I've done are these cable shows where you make 13 episodes a season. And um, it's, it's a little bit like making an hour long movie every, whatever it is, week, 10 days, two weeks, depending on how long, you know, the show takes to shoot them. Um, and in my experience of working on these shows, you know, you trip on episodes that aren't spectacular. Um, you know, it's a long form. It's not entirely perfect all the way through. And then you run into these pockets of uh, brilliance, you know, like real cinematic storytelling brilliance. And, and it's very exciting. And I think, you know, I think 
people are watching a lot more television than they are films, and there's a lot more of it being made than movies are being made these days. So it seems to be where the culture is moving in terms of what the thirst for storytelling is. That said, I think an incredible film is like an incredible novel. You know, it's, it's, um, I don't think, I don't value one over the other, but I really do love this form. Obviously I keep signing on for it. I think it's as an actor, it's very exciting. I'm wondering also, um, for women, do you think, um, do you think that TV offers possibilities for larger and more varied roles than film right now? Well, that's definitely been true for me. Um, you know, I think that I, in my experience as an actor, sort of coming to whatever, coming to Hollywood later in my life and later in my career, I think that I've been able to work in television in really meaty, substantial, interesting, complex roles, whereas I think in film, sort of based on where my career and how my career started, there just aren't the roles out there for me. They are taken, you know, by people who are a lot more famous and got a lot more famous a lot younger. And, um, you know, so I, I think there's more out there and I think there's more being experimented with. And I think women are given the helm a little bit more in television. And I think there are also probably more female writers and directors. I mean, in television. That said, I think they're still way, way underrepresented. Um, and you've been working on some things outside of Billions. I've read that you have this movie, A Woman Apart. Can, can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, it's a, it's a film that just premiered at the Rotterdam Film Festival and is sort of in the festival circuit right now. Um, it's um, a low-budget, independent film by this uh, woman named Elizabeth Subrin, who's um, uh, a really amazing feminist filmmaker and the film is actually about a burnt-out television actress who goes back to New York and tries to kind of reclaim her past and her theater roots. Um, so it was it was a story that was uh, close to my heart that I was interested in, in exploring. And a couple of years ago, like 2013, you co-starred in a film called Concussion. It was a drama about mm-hmm. a, a woman who gets hit in the head and... Um, begins to work as a prostitute. And, uh, and of course, recently there's another film called Concussion that came out starring Will Smith. <laughs> I think the people out there who are, who are on there, you know, looking forward to watch on the weekend and they think they hit the on-demand button and get your concussion and not the other concussion and get a little confused. I mean, do you have anything to say to people who might make that mistake? <laughs> uh, stick with it. You may enjoy it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, good, good luck to them. Yeah, very, very, very different kinds of films. But I was proud of that movie. Um, it was a, a first-time writer-director named Stacy Patton, and she, she made a really beautiful film. And um, uh, it was, uh, you know, again, it was another low-budget um, independent film, and uh, it, was, it was a cool one. So without giving anything away, what can you tell us about where your character in Billions maybe headed to next. I, I sort of get the hint, and I'm not revealing anything that people haven't really seen, but um, 
that maybe mm-hmm. she's going to be caught into a, caught in a love triangle as well between the Damian Lewis character and the Paul Giamatti character? I, you know, I, I don't know where the series is headed. Um, I think I think if our writers chose to go in that direction, um, I will say, I think they would have to be very careful because I think one of the most interesting things about their relationship is um, is that it's platonic, like truly platonic. And, you know, he has, he also has a very strong uh, marriage with his wife, Lara, played by the amazing Malin Ackerman. Um, so I think, you know, I think a lot of things would have to happen for that to um, work out in a way that was sort of interesting and, and uh, complicated. I'm not saying it won't happen, but, uh, you know, I think I really, I really appreciate that the show that these guys wrote profile two marriages that are actually pretty fundamentally sound, uh, even if they're a little bit um, complicated and twisted. They are like true marriages of equals, you know. And do you think in the end that this show, Billions, makes people, you know, despise the rich or makes them want to sort of join their ranks in the end? Oh, I guess that's sort of TBD. I think that they're really trying to get to the bottom of the psychological profile of somebody like, you know, the Damian Lewis character. And, um, you know, I think he's a very, very complicated person. Sometimes we're rooting for him and sometimes we're not. Um, Now, whether or not rooting for him means we're rooting for the rich is sort of a different story. And I, I don't think the writers are setting out to make people root for or against the rich, per se. I think they're really trying to forge the audience having a personal relationship with these specific characters in these specific circumstances. Okay, well, the show is Billions, and we've been talking to Maggie Siff, one of the co-stars of Billions on Showtime. And Maggie, thanks a lot for talking to The Wall Street Journal. It's been my pleasure. Enjoy our shows on your device. Look for us on iTunes, Stitcher, and at WSJ.com slash podcasts.